You're listening to The Bucket List. Got to say, Beefy, I reckon Melbourne has the best coffee in Australia. The world, die the world. We are very proudly coffee snobs. I was at my local cafe yesterday. There seems to be a whole trend these days to having everything smashed. They had smashed beetroot, smashed peas. Is that like mushy oh, peas, would you think? Well, yeah, mushy peas. Got to be mushy peas, isn't it? Awesome. What's mushy peas like oh, anyway? mashed up peas, isn't it? With, uh, they put vinegar through it and all sorts. Great with chips. Great with chips. It's pretty yeah. cool because at least you're getting a vegetable contact with your chippies. <laughs> you know, you've got your smashed avocado. How do you have it smashed or mashed? Got no idea. I think it's the hipsters, isn't it? Remember when the avos used to be like, you know, $8 an avocado? That was pretty expensive and you'd be paying up to $10 just for a side of avocado. Well, I did see in a cafe the other day... Smashed avo on toast was $20. I thought, Whoa, what's going on here? Did that include eggs? I've got no idea. Pretty expensive. It's got to be some artisan gourmet piece of hipster <laughs> toast, doesn't it? I think it was deconstructed as well, Di. Give an avocado and a bit of toast. There you go. Make it yourself. I don't like that, though. Deconstructed. <laughs> I mean, it, I, if I'm going somewhere, they have to make it for me. <laughs> exactly right. Especially at 20 bucks. Beer yoga. Is it a fad or is it here to stay? We'll let you decide next on the bucket list. This is The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. This morning on The Bucket List, we are chatting to Samantha Ball. She is not only a yoga teacher, but she is a beer yoga master. How did you get into teaching beer yoga? Uh, It was a little bit of magic that happened, really. I was already a yoga instructor. I stumbled over this ad on Facebook asking for people to come and do beer yoga and for somebody to run the classes. So I popped into the um, the Brett House, which is a um, restaurant, bar and grill. The rest is history, really. It's very different, obviously. It's beer and yoga combined. What kind of age groups of people are actually coming to your classes, Sammy? I have an array of ages. It's, it's really anyone and everyone. I have had some underage people come along, but obviously they won't be drinking the um, the alcohol. They drink a soft drink or maybe even a bottle of water. All the way from kids are about 14, all the way up to grandparents as well. The whole family sometimes comes along and it's a really great family activity. Well, what do you do like if somebody is a bit of a lightweight and maybe they've had a little bit too much of that beer too quickly and they're trying to you know, do the downward dog or something and they're having trouble controlling the pose? We only drink one beer during our session, during the hour we're going. So I've never really had anyone who's been intoxicated uh, during my class. Does it help you do the yoga? Are people a little bit more limber? It helps people relax a little bit. It allows you to think about what you're doing. So how do you actually combine the beer and the yoga? Is it during a break? So what happens through the classes is I incorporate sipping the beer mindfully throughout each session. For anyone out there who has actually tried yoga, we'll bring somebody up into a warrior one, sort of like a lunge, hands up straight in front. We'll actually have the beer in our hands, so opening up hands to um, the front and the back. From there, we sip the beer as we go through to our reverse warrior pose. It's really combining yoga with the balance and sipping the beer at the same time. I think it's amazing because it's actually become quite popular. There's quite a, a few places around Australia you can actually do beer yoga. You yourself, you're based in Brisbane as well. That's correct. Beer yoga is proving to be hugely popular. It's growing in popularity, you know, basically every day. 
Sammy, do you know where it actually began? I believe it was in Germany, which makes sense to me. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. That is amazing. It's such a fun thing to do. So if you if you want to try yoga, but you know you don't want to give up your beer, you combine it and do beer yoga. Samantha Ball, she is a beer yoga master. Thank you so much for your time this morning on the bucket list. Thank you for having me. I love the World Snooker Championships. 1977, I think the first uh, World Snooker Championships at Sheffield was. Been played for hundreds of years before that. Invented in India, die. People don't realise this. And then the Brits took it over. In India? How yeah. long was it? 1600s, 1700s, I reckon. Wow. Way back. It's such a gentleman's sport. It's so quiet. Players play in silence. Ronnie O'Sullivan, who is the Tiger Woods of the snooker world, one of the biggest upsets in the history of snooker happened this week. Ronnie O'Sullivan lost to an amateur. How did the amateur get to be playing in the Well, match? you have to qualify for the World Snooker Championship, mm. so you have to go through like a 10-round qualifying process. You have to win a lot of matches to get there. This guy's got through really, really well. Ended up playing against the drawn out against the world number one, Ronnie O'Sullivan, five-time world championship, probably the best there ever will be. He's knocked him over in the first round. Do you think that Ronnie was a bit off his game? Or this Apparently he was. Ronnie claims he was a bit sick. So uh, these games, best of 19 frames. Now, a frame can take up to an hour and a half to play if it's really slow. Look, they can be played in four or five minutes. So if it goes through to 10, 9, 19 frames, these guys could be playing six, seven, eight hours. And that's just the first round. You've got to play six rounds to get to the final. The final's best of 35 frames. First 18, they last two days. Wow, because uh, Ronnie did play this amateur. That would be the equivalent of you being a wild card, you playing Serena Williams. Yeah, or uh, Roger Federer, and then knocking him over. That's why it's the biggest upset in World Snooker history. Ronnie O'Sullivan was a $1.02 to win that match. So that's shorter than Winks was in her last race. That's how much of a favourite Ronnie was to win this match. And recently you caught up with Ronnie O'Sullivan, and here's what he had to say. You were Snooker's first victim of a streaker. Male and a female. <laughs> I, I thought he was going to break my cue because he'd just come running at the crowd. And he yeah. kind of where my seat was. And I thought, oh, no, don't, please don't run into my cue. I've got to ask you about playing left-handed. You're equally at home playing left-handed as right-handed. I, I wouldn't say I was equally at home, but I'm, I'm OK, you know. But obviously there's no touch and feel there. I, I can hit the ball firm. If there's a touchy-feely yeah, shot, sure. then I'm all over the show, you know. Because there is the, um, the Alan Robidoux story where you actually had mm. to go to court and defend yourself because you played left-handed. I was just playing so awful right-handed. I just thought, oh, I just want to enjoy it. So I started yeah. hitting a few left-handed and it felt great. But now Ronnie O'Sullivan's are out of the World Snooker Championships. The new favourite is Neil Robertson. From Melbourne. He is. He's a Melbourne lad. Uh, like you said earlier, there's a bit of controversy this week at the snooker. It's yeah. a very genteel and a very quiet sport, and this actually happened at the snooker. A little bit of noise in the crowd there. <laughs> I don't know what that sounded like. It sounded a bit strange. Uh, it's... Uh... <laughs> Well, the last time I heard a noise like that, I think it was playing against Big Bill Werbenick many uh, years ago. Settle down now, please. Thank you. Very rarely do you get that in the uh, auditorium. Maybe there's someone maybe not just feeling too well at the moment. That's hilarious. And, of course, Big Bill Werbenick, he's a bit of a, an institution. Tell uh, us about him. Big Bill Werbenick, probably about 150 kilos, playing professional snooker. Got to number eight, I think, was his highest ranking in the world. He was a big Canadian fella, big moustache. He had a tremor. He developed a tremor. And the only way to combat this tremor, because you have to be very still when you play snooker. Your hands need to be very, very still. He used to drink anything between 18 and 
50 pints of beer a day just to settle his tremor. Did that improve his game? Obviously, it helped his tremor arm. Well, I mean, he got to world number eight, which is pretty huge. He'd drink eight pints before a match, and then he'd drink one pint per frame. A frame could be four minutes, it could be an hour. But this tremor wasn't actually caused by alcohol, was it? It wasn't the result of alcoholism, but it resulted in Mm. alcoholism. He actually had a doctor's certificate. He actually had to get a doctor's note to prescribe him 18 pints of beer a day. But this was in the days where you could drink at the table and smoke and everything else. All the snooker tournaments were sponsored by tobacco uh, or cigarette companies and stuff like that. So it used to be a haze of smoke across the arena. It used to be brilliant. He actually used to drink so much, and it was because of his health with his job that he actually claimed it in the UK as a tax deduction, his alcohol intake. He did. All the money he spent on beer, he claimed as a tax expense, which is just, what what a way to do it. You couldn't be that drunk to come up with that. He had a very interesting background, though. His father was a bit of a hustler. Yeah. And they used to go from city to city actually playing pool games and hustling money, and that's how he got into it. Yeah. There was uh, quite a few Canadians on the World Snooker Tour back then, and they were all from that type of background. Kirk Stevens, Cliff Thorburn... Uh, and Bill Werbenip, they were all kind of hustlers that made money before they got on the World Snooker Tour by, like you said, travelling around, playing pool for money, taking uh, taking punters for a ride. And, of course, a bit of controversy in darts as well. Fartgate, let's call it, hashtag Fartgate, has just reminded me about uh, what happened at the darts last year in a match between Gary Anderson and Wesley Harms, which is just very, very funny. All right, here's a bit of footage of that. Just spoke to Wesley. He said that it was smelly on the stage. I thought he had sh- I thought Wesley had farted on stage. Yeah. Well, I think he thinks you did it. It was bad. It was bad. It was bad. Yeah. It was a stink. I thought it was him. Must have needed to get some wind out. Yeah. And he thought it was you. Oh, no. Hands up. Swear on my kid's life. So help me God. Nothing crossed. They both accused each other of doing it, which is the funniest thing. You're listening to The Bucket List. We have kicked off this morning the 24 hours of lemons for this weekend in Winton. We are speaking to the Supreme Commander and Chief of the 24 Hours of Lemons. It's Sean Herbert. Welcome to the Bucket List, Sean. Thank you very much. You've got a few rules. First of all, the car that enters has to be a lemon, which is obviously a bit of a bomb worth under $1,000. How do you know what it's worth? We've been doing this for about five years now, and we know when the teams and drivers are fibbing to us. We've got scrutineers check the car, and if the team's fit to us, then they've got bribes. Ah, how much do the bribes um, go up to? All sorts of things, from curries, lots of wine, lots of alcohol, and if they really fit to us, they, they give us cash for uh, our charity, Prostate and Breast Cancer. What sort of races have we got across the 24 hours? Two 12-hour races in roundabout figures. These cars can be absolutely anything. Obviously, they've got to be row-worthy, but you've got to fit them with a roll cage and fire extinguishers and things to get them race-worthy. They don't have to be a road-worthy car. They're a, they're a $1,000 car. You need a roll cage, a race seat, a race harness, an engine cutoff switch, and a fire extinguisher, and have a minimum of four drivers. The minimum is four. Away you go. And, of course, your teams, even the cars, dress up in specific themes too. We do. We've got a boat, tank. We've got a car that's upside down. It's been made upside down. It drives like a normal car, but it looks like it's upside down. Anyone can drive as long as you've got a driving licence, I guess. You don't even need a driver's license. The minimum age is 16. You need a double ASA licence, which is $45 for the entire event. Get in and go. That sounds like a lot of fun. What's the prize? 
The prize is finishing. The smallest trophy that we have is a tiny plastic trophy from a $2 shop for the most laps. We don't care about the most laps. So we've got 10 trophies for different things, acts of stupidity, bad driving. But the smallest and the most insignificant is the one of the most laps because no one cares. Wow. Everyone is having fun. And that's what the event is all about, is taking the seriousness away from motor racing and get the experience of driving on a racetrack. Not only is it at uh, Winton, but there is an event at Calder. Winton and Calder Raceway. Then we've got every state except Northern Territory. Wow. It's going to be an amazing weekend. This weekend is the 24 Hours of Lemon. Thank you so much for chatting to us. Sean Herbert, the Supreme Commander and Chief from 24 Hours of Lemons at Winton this weekend on the Bucket List. Today is the last day of the Rip Curl Pro down at Bells Beach. We've got Cam down at Bells on the line. Hey, Cam. Bells Beach, mate. Massive crowd down there. Today's the last day. Unfortunately for a lot of the crowd, the Roger Federer of surfing, Kelly Slater, was knocked out. So he was uh, looking to sort of better his four bells that he has, that he equals with Mick Fanning, to take out a fifth title, but not to be. There is a positive, though. He got knocked out by Aussie Ryan Cullinan. He did get knocked out by Ryan Callanan, so Ryan's progressed through into the semi-finals. He's got some tough competition to beat. And the conditions down at Bells, they were saying today was going to be one of the worst since 1981, but it doesn't seem to be that bad. No, not that bad. I had a look at the uh, the boy last night and this, and this morning. So there's a boy that they measure out at the swell out near sort of Point to Pean, and they were pick, pick, you know, tipping that it could be swell like 1981, tipping at about 15 feet. They had waves similar to that sort of size yesterday, but it was more a matter of survival for a lot of the <laughs> surfers. Uh, they just aren't really used to conditions that are so massive with these sort of southern swells that come through. But today, perfect conditions and still a, a pretty a pretty hefty sort of 10 feet sort of uh, size, but that's, that's going to allow surfers to perform a lot better sort of manoeuvres and you're going to see better surfing across the day. Going to be a cracking end of the Rip Curl Pro. Beefy, where are the best beaches in the world? It's widely acknowledged that Bells Beach is the best swell, but I think Jay Bay in South Africa, where we talked to Mick Fanning a couple of weeks ago, where he had his infamous douse with the shark. But Huntington Beach in California is pretty up there. Kelly Slater's got his own wave pool. Could you learn to surf in a wave pool? That's and be the idea behind him, yeah. Have there ever been a professional that has started that way, though, that we know of yet? Well, they're quite new, so they've only just come online. Slater's was kind of the first one that was properly done. Their swells are 8 foot, 2.4 metres. There's a new one going in at the airport in Melbourne now, so they're going to be 2 metre swells, the one at the airport. Can you believe, though, there's a surf park in North Wales? In Snowdonia National Park, they built a uh, they built a surf park. Is it popular? I think for that one week a year where it's warm enough to actually get half naked and get on a board, yeah, it's hugely popular. Now, this is a really interesting one because I've always been told by the Irish that Ireland is a great place to surf. Does anyone actually, Has Ireland ever produced a surfing champ? There is a guy on the tour, but he represents Ireland on the World Surf League. I'm not sure he's 100% Irish, though. I think his parents or one of his parents might be Irish. And uh, He actually learnt to surf in Australia. It's not like you're going to get up at five in the morning in Ireland and say, oh, I just want to go for a surf. It'd be freezing. (laughs) Yeah. They do actually say the best surf in the world is off the north coast of Scotland and North Atlantic as well, but it's so bloody cold, nobody wants to do it. What about Brazil? Yeah, Copacabana. Surely there's some great surf in there. And the weather would be just magnificent. Oh, yeah.
There's nothing like being at a live event. Whether it's the Australian Open Tennis, the Rugby World Cup 2019 in Japan or the Bathurst 1000. With over 20 years experience, Sportsnet will ensure the adventure of a lifetime. With over 50 world-class events, Sportsnet guarantees official tickets and accommodation, even to sold-out events. You'll even get access to behind-the-scenes experiences. Over 10,000 travellers each year choose Sportsnet. Call 1-300-888-858 or visit sportsnetholidays.com. Does your sporting club or community group need help with fundraising? My Club Shop is your essential fundraising partner. This free service is simple to use and can provide a 12-month-a-year revenue stream. With support from great companies like Samsung and TCL and new features being added daily, this revolutionary platform is a complete game-changer. Did we mention it's all free? All you have to do is log on to myclubshop.com.au to register your interest and one of our friendly team will get in touch straight away. That's myclubshop.com.au. We are speaking to Daniel Ciccone from Sportsnet Holidays. And, of course, we've got the Malaysian MotoGP exciting stuff coming up Friday, 1st November. It's in Sepang, Malaysia. Is it hard to get accommodation there, Daniel? It's near impossible to get accommodation right out near the track. The track is about 15 minutes from KL Airport. One of our special experiences that I was going to mention today is we do get rooms at one of the famous hotels called Summer Summer, the most sought-after hotel during the event. It's located just 15 minutes from the circuit, like I said. And it's the same hotel most of the riders and teams stay at. Our guys stay there to look after our clients. Will went there for the first time recently. He was in the elevator and in walked in Mark Marquez, five-time MotoGP world champion, had a chat, got a photo. That's really normal when staying at Summer Summer. So we do get a very select amount of rooms to cater for those that want to stay as close to the event as possible. Yeah, there's not a huge amount of accommodation near the track. Most people would stay in KL itself. I love KL, amazing city, the iconic Patronus Towers. Everyone who books with us gets an observation pass included because we just think it's something you can't miss when you are in KL. The shopping, the street food restaurants, the nightlife great place to play golf. I love Malaysia and I love the city of KL. Great place for MotoGP. KL absolutely gets into MotoGP fever. It's just a great place to be during the event. The event is such great value for money, especially for Australians and Kiwis. We often get told it costs less to travel to Malaysia Hmm. and experience the, the Malaysian MotoGP than it does to go somewhere like Phillip Island. It has a lot going for it. So how much easier is it to get there if you're actually booking through Sportsnet holidays? A lot easier. So yes, we only get a small amount of rooms out at the airport at summer, summer. So for all our other clients, we put them in at the five-star Intercontinental in KL. KL is about an hour away from Sepang. But what we do to make it easy is we transfer our clients every day. In the morning, we take them to the circuit. Early evening, we bring them back. So we try to make it as easy as possible. This package here, we look after our clients from end to end. So from the moment they leave home to the moment they get back, All they have to do is enjoy uh, the great city of KL and the MotoGP. Sportsnet put on a load of special events for their valued clients. What can we expect to find in Malaysia for the MotoGP? On the Friday night, got a a MotoGP riders dinner at Summer Summer, uh, so right out at the track. And the reason we do it at Summer Summer is because all the riders are staying there. So uh, it makes it easy for us to to grab a number of them for the event. It's hosted by BT Sports commentator Gavin Emmett this year. He'll preview the race. He'll do some live interviews with some special guests who in the past have included, you know, Australian Jack Miller, his ex-teammate Cal Crutchlow. We've even had sadly departed Nicky Hayden, the 2006 world champion, amongst others. Alex Briggs, one of Valentino Rossi's mechanics. Guests can ask questions. They can get a photo and autograph, as I always say. And the MotoGP riders are 
always really accommodating. It's a great night, dinner and drinks, lots of stories. I, I love this one. It, it's, a, it's a cracker. Sounds awesome. How does a race schedule actually work, Daniel? Three days, Diana. Friday practice, Saturday practice and qualifying, and Sunday the big race days. Just love this event. It's easy to get to, all-inclusive, incredible value for money. It's just got everything going for it. It's a really, really good one to add to your bucket list. I'm jumping on board the Malaysian MotoGP Sportsnet Express this year. I am going to have an absolute ball. So if I want to book with Sportsnet Holidays for the Malaysian MotoGP this year, I am going to call... one three hundred triple eight eight five eight. Write that down. That's one three hundred triple eight eight five eight, Or jump online to sportsnetholidays.com. That's sportsnetholidays.com.